0: Hi, Morialt Ward, Bishop Murphy here. I thought it might be fun to bring you a missionary experience. So um, I've got Caleb Rice here talking about his mission in Tahiti. Enjoy. Well, hey, Caleb. Thanks for catching up with me this evening to have a bit of a chat about your mission. How are you doing this evening?
1: Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm excited to
0: be here. Good. Um, so why don't you start off by telling us, um, I guess, where you served, and then we'll might jump into um, a little bit of a pre-mission, mission, post-mission style discussion. So w- remind me where your, where your mission was.
1: Yep. So I served in the Tahiti Papeete mission, which is, uh, which is basically just the islands of French Polynesia. Um, the main island is Tahiti, so that's where I spent most of my time.
0: Cool. And how many years ago? So from when to when did you serve? So I
1: served from January 2016 to January
0: 2018. Cool. Great. Well, I'm excited to hear um, more about your mission itself. But before we um, jump into that, I wonder if we can um, talk a little bit about your, your pre-mission years. What was your attitude towards missionary service growing up? What can you share with us about that?
1: Yeah, I certainly had a lot of um, examples to look up to um, you know, when I was younger preparing for a mission, I remember obviously my brothers and one of my sisters served missions. Um, I remember as a kid watching them come home or going, and I think that that definitely helped me, um, you know, prepare because I was I was hearing their stories as I was growing up and watching them go and, and, and come home, and it really um, prepared me because I wanted to to be like them. I think to begin with, I think that that desire came just from watching my um, you know, my siblings. But I think as time went on as well, and as I had more, I guess, personal and spiritual experiences, um, I was probably, I think I was influenced more um, by the spirit in choosing to serve a mission rather than, uh, you know, following the example of my siblings.
0: Can you share a little bit about what some of those, um, I guess, spiritual experiences were that led to you really wanting to serve of your own volition?
1: Uh, there's one in particular that I that I remember. I remember that we did. Um, actually, no, there are two. I mentioned two. Um, we went. We did a trek. Um, I don't remember what year it was, but I remember that um, I had a very strong uh, spiritual and well, personal and spiritual experience on one of the treks that we did with Fell Stake. And um, that didn't necessarily make me want to go on a mission, but it really helped me feel the Lord's love and feel that you know connection with heaven that you feel um, when you do those sorts of activities. Um, but the I guess the one that really pushed me to go on a mission was actually one of the uh, missionary preparation conferences that we did. Um, Mm -hmm. At the time we were were able to stay with the missionaries and we spent basically three days with them. And I remember um, at the end of the three days on the Sunday night, um, we had a devotional and we were all singing, um, we'll bring the world his truth. And I remember just, I had this huge overwhelming feeling of the spirit. And I just knew at that moment that I wanted to, be a missionary. I wanted to go out and serve the Lord um, just like I had been for those three days, but I wanted to do it for two years.
0: Uh, that's um, that's a cool experience. Um, and, and that last one obviously had direct sort of correlation to missionary activity. Um, I find it interesting that you linked that um, Trek experience though. So it wasn't necessarily a missionary related experience, but um, I guess I'm hearing you say that just um, a powerful spiritual experience sort of pushed you in that direction or am I misunderstanding you? You know, I think that's right.
1: I think it definitely, um, that, that experience on track definitely strengthened my testimony and helped me, I guess, um, just be more, more aware of, um, you know, of the Lord and of the Lord's love for me. And um, it just, you know, when I felt that love and felt that, you know, that feeling, I just wanted to be able to share that, um, yeah. With others.
0: Um. So how old were you when you um, did that missionary preparation conference? Do you recall how far before sort of 18, 19 uh, were you at that time?
1: I think I was probably, it was probably about a year and a half before I left. So I was probably 17. Mm-hmm. Yeah. somewhere yeah. around. There.
0: Awesome. And so um, had you been doing anything sort of intentional to prepare prior to that um, MPC? Um, and I guess, what did you do from that point to try and prepare yourself for missionary service?
1: Yeah, um, I remember at the time uh, in my priest quorum we spent probably from the time we were sixteen onwards we started looking in. We spent a lot, a lot of time in uh, in preach my gospel. So on mm-hmm. Sundays, I think we'd spend probably ten or fifteen minutes each Sunday, um, looking at something or sharing an experience um, in our priest quorum, and that that's sort of where it started. Um, and as I guess after after the MPC um, that we did, I think I probably started doing that a lot more on my own and also with Dad. Mm. Um, we spent time looking through Preach My Gospel together. We'd read the scriptures together. Um, but I really think um, it all started with that support from from the other young men and we sort of, yeah, sharing together and, um, and you know, reading and studying Preach My Gospel and the scriptures in there, that, that definitely helped me prepare. Um, as time went on and I got closer to actually leaving, I think it was... I'm also preparing to go to the temple um, help me prepare for a mission because I was intentionally trying to um you know to be more receptive to the spirit and to increase my you know my spiritual capacity um, I tried to spend more time in the scriptures and more time pondering um, you know, general conference talks and um, also asking questions um you know to, to to my to my dad or to my family about about uh, the gospel, trying to understand more so that I could better teach it when the time came.
0: Yeah, great. Um, and I guess prior to your mission, based on sort of the stories that have been told by family members and other sort of friends through church and um, the experiences that you had, did you have sort of a preconceived idea of what mission life would be like? Um, and I guess how, how closely did it align with reality once you actually got out into the mission field?
1: Yeah, that, that's a really funny question, actually. I think that I had no idea what was coming. <laughs> <laughs> to be completely honest, I think I had, in my mind, I had this this uh, idea. I guess if, if you know the movie The Best Two Years, I probably had a uh-huh. some, some sort of idea from that. You know, I thought I was going to go out and I'd somehow speak the language and I would somehow um, just, you know, be able to talk to everyone. I'd be confident and I would understand and I'd be able to teach um, like it was easy but I think I learned very quickly that it was a lot
0: harder than that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, great. Well, that's probably a good segue into into your mission. So um, um, what can you tell me about your mission area? We know that it's French Polynesia, but um, why don't you share a little bit about um, the language, the people and culture? What should we know as a baseline about the, um, the Tahiti mission?
1: yeah so tahiti tahiti covers lots and lots of islands and um, we only have missionaries on the main on the big ones um and also a few of the smaller ones um now so it's french polynesia is well part of polynesia um so we had the fantastic um you know the loving polynesian culture that you see in, you know all the other polynesian islands um the people absolutely loved missionaries i think mm. you have to understand that People were just so believing and so faithful, um, whether it be obviously to other religions as well. But almost everyone was was Christian. I don't think I met a single um, atheist person in, in my entire two years until I was coming home and I was in Melbourne Airport. <laughs> that was the first <laughs> time I met someone that um, that did, that wasn't Christian. Um, but I think yeah. So the the language was um, we spoke mostly. French, uh, a little bit of Tahitian, although my Tahitian was not not fantastic, they're actually very different languages, it's like comparing English and Samoan, mm-hmm. um, but uh, the, the funny thing was that the, the Tahitians, they actually mix the two languages together, they speak a, I don't know, I guess a, a pidgin French, well they, they can speak French and they can speak just Tahitian, but they like mm-hmm. to mix it together for fun. And that was hard to teach in because that's how yeah. some of them, some of them only spoke that sort of pigeon French. So we, we have to, um, to cater for the audience, of course, yeah. but, um, yeah, we, um, most missionaries spend quite a bit of time on the main island of Tahiti and they spend a couple of months out in smaller islands, um, where the branch, where, where the, where the much smaller branches are found. Yeah.
0: Cool. So you referenced, um, I guess, as you were talking earlier about your preconceptions about the mission, um, sort of struggling with the language um, a bit. I understand that you did French all through high school, and then there was this pidgin French that was being spoken. Um, what was learning a language like? How did you find that? How did that impact your mission experience?
1: Yeah, how much time we've, have we got now? <laughs> um, well,
0: so I, well, yeah, that's right. I did French
1: all through high school, and I thought that I would be you know, somewhat prepared.
0: (laughs) You you skipped the language training in the MTC too, didn't you?
1: Yeah. So, well, so what happened was is I got my mission call and they assigned me to go to the New Zealand MTC, um, and to go straight into the French-speaking program, so not the French learning program, but the French uh, okay. district. And I, and we said, "Well, hang on, that probably doesn't sound right." So we we got some clarification. Provo then called me. Um, the empty, the so one of the French teachers tested my French. He said to me, "Look, if you come to Provo, you're just going to learn things that you already know. So you might as well, you know, spend two weeks in New Zealand, struggle a bit, rather than spending nine weeks in Provo, where you know." He said, "If I was you, I'd rather have more time in the field." And I actually am really grateful that he said that because
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, I, I think I really, really appreciated being in the field for longer. Um, but going back to the um, the question of language, yes, yeah, so mm-hmm. I, I did all these years mm-hmm. of French. I I arrive at the MTC, and uh, I'm paired up with a with a Tahitian companion, mm-hmm. and he's talking to me, and I had no idea what he was saying. I couldn't <laughs> understand a word. Now, I've, I learned later on that's because he was speaking, a sort of like I said, this mixture of French and Tahitian. I didn't know which words were French. I didn't know which words were Tahitian. And he had a different accent from the French that I learnt. So um, learning, learning that, learning, I guess I had to relearn French, actually. That was really difficult. But I have to say that having done all those years of French before helped me, but not in the beginning. It was much later on.
0: that's. Um, I think that's a pretty common experience for those of us who've, um, who've learned to language. Yeah. Um, so you've mentioned, I guess, um, language being a, a difficulty, but maybe we could talk a little bit about the role that, I guess, difficult times um, play in, in our mission experience. Um, are there some really challenging times that stand out to you and, um, and and how did you go about overcoming them? What sort of experience was it?
1: Yeah, I think um, I think one of the the difficult times for me as a missionary was just it was just to do it was usually when um, I was in a difficult a difficult area or with a difficult companion. I actually had pretty good companions most of my missions, so I'm not really going to talk about that because it's not you know not really a, a big a big thing to talk about. But I remember I had I had one particular area which was just such a struggle. It was difficult because. Um, The ward we were in was, um, they weren't, well, I guess the members weren't very pro missionary work. They, um, they were great members, but they just, they just, we just didn't have the support that we needed to be, um, need to have a lot of referrals. I guess the missionary work over there is probably 90% based on referrals and, um, you know, help from members. Um, but we were, we just weren't getting anything. And, um, and we were trying we'd spend hours and hours every day just knocking on doors and trying to trying to talk to people. Um, but we just we just had no success. But for some reason for I reckon for two probably two months we didn't we just had nothing. I think mm. we found many new investigators and those that we did found didn't really progress and it was just it's actually really challenging because I had a great companion, but we just couldn't um we just couldn't find anything. And we we tried every trick in the book to, you know, try and help our sort of relationship with the members. We tried um, doing service and, um, you know, helping them whenever we could and just dropping in to share messages, but we just couldn't couldn't get things moving. Um, but then I remember, actually, what I'll do is I'll share a scripture that, um, that actually really helped me through that. I found it really difficult in that area just because I thought that, you know, I was wasting the Lord's time because we just weren't, we weren't finding anything. But I remember I was just so, you know, so feeling so lost because I thought, you know, this area, I'm wasting the Lord's time. But I remember I read this scripture. Um, I just, I remember one day I prayed. I said, Heavenly Father, I need help. You know, I just opened my scriptures. I landed on Doctrine and Covenants 100. Um, and there's verses three and four and five that really, and six that really hit me. I'll just briefly read those. So they say, "Behold and lo, I have much people in this place, in the regions round about and an effectual door shall be opened in the regions round about in this eastern land. Therefore I, the Lord, have suffered you to come unto this place, for thus it was expedient in me for the salvation of souls. Therefore, verily I say unto you, lift up your voices unto this people, speak the thoughts that I shall put into your hearts, and you shall not be confounded before men. But it shall be given you in the very hour, yea, in the very moment, what you shall say. Now, I guess... I can't quite capture in English why this scripture hit me so much, but the French, if I just translate the French version back to English, what verse four says, which is what really helped me, it says that I, the Lord, have permitted you to come into this place or into this area for it was useful in me for the salvation of souls. And when I I read that, when I read, you know, that translation of it was useful, I thought, you know, how can this be? but I actually felt a lot of comfort even though we experienced such sort of heartbreak in, in probably those two months. But mm-hmm. what was interesting is in the days and the weeks that followed, we had a huge amount of success and it was a complete turnaround. And I think that it really probably just came down to our faith because we'd sort of, maybe we lost our well not lost our faith, but we, our faith maybe dwindled a little bit because we weren't seeing the fruits of our lives. But as we put our faith in the Lord um, and we realized that, you know, we are being useful. The Lord wants us here. We've, we're From our inspired mission president, we've been put here. Um, and then all of a sudden things took off. And it was actually a huge, a huge blessing. Then I was transferred. So I missed all the <laughs> <laughs> Uh
0: So um, I guess that it, you sort of described what had, had happened afterwards and you talked about sort of the faith element. But what did that experience teach you about, I guess, the purpose of trials themselves? Um, what, what changed in you as a result of that, um, of that experience? Yeah, I think I think what that
1: experience of that hard area taught me was, I guess, first just to be patient, but it also, I guess, what, what comes to mind is um, Doctrine and Covenants 122 when you know, the Lord's speaking to Joseph Smith and he says, um, yeah, these trials will give thee experience and they'll be for thy good.
0: Yeah. And I think
1: that's what, I guess that's what I really t- took away from that experience is that even though it was hard, I learnt a lot about myself. I learnt a lot about faith. And working with um, members, and working with, um, with, with you know, with with a companion um, who was great, but we needed to work better together to um you know to have that success. But I think yeah, it was really just um, an experience for me to be able to to grow and to learn to put my trust in the savior, um, and to have trust in you know the, the where I'd been placed, where I'd been transferred, and um, and to have the faith to go and, and the, the confidence to go and speak with those people that we found um, later on.
0: Perhaps you could share one or two other sort of spiritual highlights from your mission and, um, you know, whether they relate to, um, I don't know, priesthood power, the atonement, um, whatever they might be. Um, what, what stands out as um, some of the sort of more formative experiences of your mission?
1: Yeah, so that's, that's a really good question. I have to try and just choose two. Um, <laughs> the first one that just came to mind was um, was closer to the end of my mission. It was in my second to last area. Um, we had this in, this new member who was just fantastic. He was you know, he was on fire. He was with the missionaries. He was with us every day. He was baptized about a year before I got there. Or well, it might have been nine months. I can't remember. But he was he was really doing well. But all of a sudden. He just hit rock bottom, and this new this new member was just really struggling with his testimony. His wife had just been baptized; they were preparing for the temple in you know a year's time, and he just he just came to us one day and said, "Elders, I, I don't know if I have a testimony." And it it actually made me cry because the, the, we loved this guy. He was just amazing, amazing member missionary, dedicated to the gospel, dedicated to his family, um, and. I just remember thinking, you know, what can we do? And then we just, you know, we counselled with him and and prayed with him. And he said to us, look, elders, um, I want you to, I'd like you to give me a blessing. And I just remember thinking, you know, all right. I always felt a bit of pressure whenever we were asked to give a blessing because, Mm. you know, it is a big thing, especially when someone is struggling this much. And I remember um, he asked, he actually asked me to do it. And i just felt i didn't feel like i was going to be didn't have, didn't have the words didn't have the words to comfort him at that time but i said look you know i'll do it and i and we, and we did it and i just remember i don't have i don't have any recollection of what words were spoken but i remember i don't think i've i think mean, that was probably the strongest feeling of the spirit that i've or it was probably one of the strongest feelings of the spirit that i've ever had in my life um and i just remember i felt so much so much peace, and I just felt this power as we, as we, you know, had our hands on his head, and as we were giving that blessing, I just felt that every word was coming from heaven, and I was just a mouthpiece. I was just standing there for the Lord, you know, saying what He wanted me to say, and I just felt so. I don't know how to describe it. I just felt so. Um, I guess so overwhelmed with this, you know, with this this power, and I I really saw how that. You know, that blessing helped him. He, we, we all we were all in tears at the end of the blessing. He comes up to me, he just gave me this huge hug and said, Thank you so much, elders, for that, you know, for that blessing. And he, and it changed, everything changed for him that day. He, um, that blessing was what got him through that trial. And he just went, he went, he was on fire again very shortly after, you know, within a couple of weeks, he was back out with us. He was, he was praying again, he was reading the scriptures, and he just felt so much power from that blessing he'd received and then you know not long after uh, he and his wife were sealed and they're still doing great so that was one of the that was a particularly um powerful experience to me in regards to priesthood power because you know we give we'd give blessings regularly and I always found it difficult to do it in French but you know as time went on I got better at it um with the language but I just remember that feeling that we that I had as we were giving that blessing was just it was just unreal it was just mm. this incredible priesthood power um that was that we felt it was amazing
0: thanks for sharing that i think um, the lord blesses us with um you know these types of experiences from time to time um, to give us the opportunity to reflect on them from you know as we need to and i guess there's a stack of lessons we can draw out of that ones around priesthood power ones about you know gods um you know knowing us all individually um and and you think about sort of the the fruit of just that one that one experience right and and president nelson at last conference talked about sort of hinge points right Mm, and and for him and for you um the lord can make a lot of these experiences if we let him and i guess he was prepared you were prepared you didn't feel you didn't feel worthy or capable but you were both prepared and willing, and um, and and because it was important to the Lord that you both had that experience with your companion, you know that was the experience that was had. So yeah, great. Thanks for thanks for sharing. Was there another one that was uh, coming to mind?
1: Yeah, I'm just I'm just trying to choose one.
0: <laughs> um,
1: yeah, well, I think I might share it again. I I did share this experience a couple of months ago when I gave a talk, um, but it's still I I say this is probably the experience that. Sort of shaped my understanding of the atonement. And if I didn't have this experience, I probably wouldn't, I probably still wouldn't understand the atonement. I wouldn't understand how it affects me personally. Um, I think as a missionary, it's really easy to be able to see how the atonement affects other people. But what I saw on my mission was that so many missionaries sometimes couldn't see the atonement influencing their own lives as a missionary. And um, the experience I wanted to share was um, was when I was about six months through and I was just, I was really struggling, not with um, the area, I had a great area, I had a great companion, but um, I was struggling with my own sort of feelings of being good enough. And I always, I've expressed this in, in the talk, in my talk a couple of months ago, but I just felt like I, you know, I wasn't um, good enough to represent the saviour, that I was insignificant, um, that I couldn't do anything. I was just another... Um, you know, cog in the machine, and that i couldn 't actually help people in the way that Lord wanted me to and i had um and as as many of you know i probably had i had well i had this terrible anxiety um, issues when I was a kid and particularly particularly as an older teenager um, and this carried on into my mission and um i and for months well, for months it, it came and went, and I tried to get a good control of it um but you know it was difficult but it, i just remember that um in this one particular area we we had this lesson um with this fantastic family but the lesson was a complete disaster <laughs> it wasn't because <laughs> of us it was um yeah, the spirit wasn't there but not because of us we not not because we couldn't bring it there but it's because the family we were teaching just wasn't ready at the time and um they, uh, well, they well, they didn't have an open heart but they were just listen. they they had the lesson just for just to be nice but um I just remember the the feeling I had was after this lesson, which was a disaster, I just felt like, oh, you know, I'm not good enough. I'm never going to be good enough. I'm never going to be able to speak French well enough to be able to, um, you know, teach with, teach well enough or teach with the spirit. And all these things were completely wrong. And this is just what Satan was telling me and what I, you know, what I was uh, internalizing. And then I just remember I, we went back to the flaps. So we were just around the corner and I sat down and I just cried and cried because I just felt like I wasn't good enough. And my companion, fantastic helpful guy comes up to me and says elder rice missions are hard I'm like thanks elder that's really helpful <laughs> but i remember i just sat there so upset and so overwhelmed and i um i just needed some you know some some space so i went into I went into the bathroom which was the only private you know space we had in the house it was you know, teaching houses is pretty pretty simple um and i remember just I just knelt down on the tiles and i was just crying. And I just started, you know, pleading with the Lord. I said, Heavenly Father, I, I want to be able to be an effective missionary. I want to be able to, um, you know, teach my children as best I can. I don't want to be worried about how I'm feeling about how I'm not good enough. I want just to do everything I can to the best of my ability. Like, please, please will you help me, um, to overcome these, these feelings of anxiety. And, um, at the time I was sort of having a panic panic attacks I was my body was shaking and I was just deeply you know upset with with this um with this with these feelings and I just remember hearing this voice which was so clear it wasn't a loud voice but it was just so clear it just said my son be still and when I heard those words my body just it just stopped shaking and I just felt this peace which I hadn't felt in a long time because I just had these feelings throughout my entire, you know, first sort of six months of not being good enough and not not ever going to be good enough. And then when I I heard that voice and I heard those words, that all stopped, that all changed. And from then on, um, I was able to manage my anxiety so much better and um, I was able to overcome those feelings of inadequacy and, um, you know, insignificance. I was able to actually do the best that I could. So that, that taught me um, that the atonement is real, that it's through the atonement, it's through Jesus Christ that we can, you know, we can overcome our trials. Now, obviously, Heavenly Pala doesn't always take things away from us. He didn't take away my anxiety, but what he did do was help me manage it. And he gave me that strength through the atonement of Jesus Christ.
0: Oh, that's great. No, thank you for sharing that experience. How are you different because of your missionary service, do you think? What what changed in you, about you um, during those two years?
1: You know, I think, um, I like to think that I changed a lot on my mission. You have to, uh, I guess others will have to look at me to work that out. But I think that um, what the mission really did for me was, um, <laughs> I have to say that I felt that my testimony on my mission was, I would almost say, it was deconstructed and then reconstructed. The reason I say that is because not that I ever lost my testimony on my mission, but it's more that I um, my, I guess my testimony was probably not built on on the foundation. Originally, it wasn't built on the foundation of the Savior and on the atonement. And I think it, it might have been built more on other things, you know, routine and the testimonies of others. And whilst I I knew the church was true, I knew that God lived, I just, it just, it just wasn't personal enough for me mm. before my mission. But like I said, the, what the mission did was, it was almost as though it just um, broke apart this foundation of, of my testimony and rebuilt it based on Christ and based on the atonement and based on the gospel. And um, I think that that's carried me through and I've, I can just, you know, in my personal study in my own my own time, I've realized that um, my knowledge and understanding of the gospel has just changed so much, probably because um, that foundation that it was built on is now built on the right foundation.
0: Mm, great. Um, well, um, that's probably a, a good place for me to ask this, uh, this final question then. Um, how have you felt that I guess your mission experiences have helped you since coming home and um, you know, the, the challenges and opportunities that you've faced um, since returning back to civilian life, yeah, that's a great
1: question. Um, you know, I think as I gotta say, as a missionary, it, well, looking back, when you're a missionary, it seems like it seems like the end of the world when you can't find someone to teach. But then when you come home from your mission, you look at that, and you think that was really minor. You know, within within a couple of weeks, I would have found someone and I would have been fine. But um, you know, it feels it feels like such a such a failure moment when um, when you just, you know, when you can't do those little things. But I think when you come home, you realise that you have so much more responsibility and so much more to do, you know, your work um, and study and all kinds of things and family. And you're trying to, on top of that, you're trying to manage your own spirituality now. Like the blessings I've I've seen since coming home have been um, probably just, first, of all, I, th- I think the biggest thing would actually be an understanding of, the atonement because i learned and understood what the atonement. obviously I don't you know we can't understand everything about the atonement but i understood enough of the atonement to be able to apply it to my life now And i think that's probably one of the most important things to learn whether it be on a mission or just in life being able to apply the you know the enabling power of the atonement in your life to maintain that spirituality is just so vital to surviving spiritually because you know if we can't um increase our faith daily through even through just through the little things like prayer and scripture study, if we can't do that um then you know our our testimonies and our faith will crumble, so I think being able to apply the atonement daily has probably been the biggest and most important lesson and blessing from the mission um because it's you know something that we can't live without. we have to do that we have to increase our faith and repent daily to draw closer to God. Um, so I think that's probably one of the, one of the big takeaways. Um,
0: great. Right. No, yeah. thank you for sharing that. And thank you for being so open and, and candid and, and sharing, I guess, both the, the highs and the lows of your mission. I think it's, uh, it's been uh, great to hear and I think will be instructive for people as I listen. So, yeah, Caleb, thank you again for for sharing uh, your experience in, in the Tahiti mission. Oh, thank you. It's, uh, it's been good to talk about it again. <laughs> Well, I hope you enjoyed hearing about uh, Caleb's mission experience as much as I did. Stacks of great experiences and you get the sense that there's a a whole bunch more there that he could have shared with us. Um, If you or someone else that you know has a great mission experience or conversion experience that they'd like to share, please do reach out to me. Otherwise, till next time.